God in heaven, send your Holy Spirit to speak into your people the words of life. We ask these things in the name of Jesus and only by his name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I see we've got a bit of a summer crowd. (laughs) Um, Today's going to be a little different. This is not going to be a standard sermon. Uh, What I want to do is to kind of have what I would say is a family talk or a family chat, kind of like table talk, if you will. Uh, And I want to do two things uh, during this time. One, I want to share news and vision that came from the provincial gathering of ACNA. That was last weekend. That's where I was. That's why I wasn't here. So I want to t- tell you a bit about that. That's a pretty, it's a pretty monumental gathering. The second thing I want to do is to revisit our purpose and our vision as a church here at King of Kings. So those are the two things we're going to do this morning. Uh, the gathering, I wish I could have beamed you guys in for it. It was in Plano, Texas, which is part of Dallas, which is my old stomping grounds. That's where I grew up. Uh, it's the, it was the 10th anniversary of the formation of ACNA, Anglican Church in North America, which is what we're part of. There were over a 1,000 attendees from all over the nation, even several uh, international guests from various countries. And I wish you could have seen the opening Eucharist ceremony. I mean, 1,000 a, a people packed into church, full band, full orchestra. It was, it was glorious. It was glorious. Uh, some of the speakers, I'm just going to throw out a few because you might recognize them, just give you a flavor for things. Ravi Zacharias, he was one of the speakers, the famous apologist, head of uh, Ravi Zacharias Ministries, Archbishop Laurent Umbanda was there, the primate, the Archbishop of Rwanda. He was there. He was one of the speakers. James Bryan Smith speaking about spiritual formation. And Russell Moore, one of our Southern Baptist brothers who spoke on culture and ethics. One of the things that we celebrated, uh, amongst other things, besides 10 years and the growth that has happened within ACNA and all the churches that have been birthed, was the release of the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. And I meant to bring it, to show it to you, to prove that it actually exists, and it does exist, okay? This is a big deal. This was a monumental undertaking. There's not been a new edition uh, in English since 1979, okay? So it's a solid edition with a rigorous theological backbone. And by the way, we've been using those pilot liturgies the last few months from it. So you've been experiencing it. You just haven't perhaps known it. Um, But a big deal, celebrating the release of the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Uh, the theme for the time was discipleship. That was the theme that everything uh, revolved around. And, it was, and this is the subtext. Uh, discipleship, colon, renewing the call to the Great Commission, which is speaking about Matthew 28. The call to go into all nations and to make disciples. And what we teased out and explored through all the different breakout sessions and the different speakers and all that is what does it mean to make disciples? What does it mean to make disciples? That's something we probably take for granted. Like, oh, I know what that means. Sure. But we really explored that. And let me tell you some of the things that I gleaned from that. Uh, disciples aren't born as much as they're made. From conversion to the end of life, we're always being formed into Christ-likeness. So when we're babes in Christ, when we're born again, when we're saved, it took an investment and it took people pouring into us to help us understand what discipleship means. Babies need to be cared for because they're dependent, okay? It took people mentoring us, helping us to grow in Jesus and shepherding us. And I would say discipleship, as I've been describing here, this is true for all stages and ages and seasons of life. We all need this. We all need this because discipleship is a lifelong endeavor. It's a lifelong endeavor. Relationships 
are the context where we learn and grow in Jesus and where we learn what it means to be a disciple, okay? Remember, it took Jesus, the perfect man and perfect God, three years about with 12 knuckleheads, (laughs) so to speak, to teach them the way of discipleship, okay? Think about that. took him three years, and he was pouring into them constantly, intentionally in relationship all the time, okay? That's a lot of time to pour into some people. So are we involved in making disciples in this way, forming people, investing relationally and intentionally? It's a challenge, and it's a call to all of us for sure. Uh, Let me read you the Great Commission from the very last two or three verses of Matthew 28. Just to reacquaint you, you're going to be familiar with this, but I want to put it uh, in the forefront of your minds. This is uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, when we look at the very end of Matthew 28 and that call to the Great Commission, it speaks of making disciples of all nations. That's the task. That's the mission to make (laughs) disciples, not just converts, okay, to make disciples. Jesus didn't tell them, go and make converts. That's merely one step in the great journey of faith. He said to go and make disciples. And as I said before, disciples are formed over time, and this formation is essential. Notice the call is not only to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but also to teach these disciples all that Jesus commanded and taught them. They were to pass on to others what they had gleaned from Jesus himself in the three years they had with him. So Jesus is speaking beyond mere conversion here, and sometimes that's how we understand the Great Commission. You know, it's just fire insurance, to put it glibly, okay? No, he's talking about more than mere conversion. He's talking about sanctification. He's talking about the whole journey of faith of making disciples. Now, these final words in the Gospel of Matthew to the disciples are very important that Jesus spoke. This is his last will and testament, if you will, and words to which we pay very close attention. They are words meant for us. Go and make disciples of all nations. Actually, better translated, as you go. As you go, make disciples of all nations. So, uh, as you move through life, make disciples. Wherever life takes you, make disciples. This is the mission of the church, and formation and mission really can't be separated. The conference made this clear in a number of ways, and I really believe that. Formation and mission, you can't separate those two. So as ACNA is revisiting its call and purpose, I want us to do the same thing. So that was the first part. So we're going to move to the second part here, which is to talk about our vision here at King of Kings. I want us to do the same thing. So take your bulletin, if you've got one near you, and look at the back. You'll see a section that says vision. And I want to revisit that because this addresses those core questions of, Pastor Joel, what's the big picture What is our church trying to be about? Why do we do what we do? And we answer that with these three calls, shared love, shared mission, and shared life. Now, these might look a little familiar to you if you're paying attention at the annual meeting. That's what they're from. Might be new to some others of you. Maybe it's a review for others of you. I don't know. There's an ethos that undergirds it, and that's that first paragraph that we see there. And I'm going to read part of that to you. Because this really undergirds what I mean by shared love, shared mission, shared life. 
We believe that Christians are new creation in Christ and that this amazing gift of grace has more to say about who we are than anything else. How about that? So we're new creations in Jesus. It's a gift of grace. And this defines us more than anything else we believe. My conviction is that grace is a gift meant to be shared. In other words, as God's given to us, so we give to other people in a similar fashion. So having been rescued by Jesus, we are free to faithfully embrace these three, what I call the three great calls of Scripture, okay? And we're going to spend more time on some than others, um, just for time's sake and because I think some just bear more attention. So the first one, shared love, based off the great commandment of Matthew 22, Mark 12, and Luke 10, if you remember the great commandment, right? Love of God with all of who you are and, and love your neighbor as yourself. So we take our cue here from the Old Testament and Jesus, we're called to a life of love, okay? An all-encompassing love of God and of neighbor, okay? Again, love God with all of who you are and love your neighbor as yourself. And love, by its very definition, is about someone besides who? Me. It's about someone besides me, okay? So this is a challenging call, but one that defines us and is rooted in the Scriptures. And I should say, even though there's only a few scant uh, scriptural mentions here, these themes are shot through the Scriptures. I just couldn't list everything. I just wanted to give you the major bullet points, okay? So love, by its definition, is about someone else. It's about loving outside of ourselves. And I find that this leads us directly to shared mission. And I'm going to camp on this one for a while. This is based off the Great Commission of Matthew 28. Mission is to be our natural response, maybe our supernatural response, to the grace of God. Okay? Mission is to be our natural response to the grace of God. Mission isn't a new idea that began with Jesus and the apostles. I don't know if you knew that. It was always part of God's mission. He was shaping the people of Israel to change the world. He wanted them to be a light among the nations. In Deuteronomy, the Lord repeatedly said to his people Israel, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Don't forget, God rescues us from slavery, the point here, so that we might in turn go and rescue other captives with the good news, the gospel, Jesus. Let me give you two quotes about mission, and these are just two great ringers, I think. First one is from William Temple. He was the Archbishop of Canterbury during World War II, pivotal time. Second one is from Emil Brunner of around the same era. Here's the first one about mission. The church is the only organization that does not exist for itself, but for those who live outside of it. The church is the only organization that doesn't exist for itself, but for those who live outside of it. Okay, that's one. Here's the second one. The church exists by mission, just as a fire exists by burning. Where there is no church, listen how bold this is, where there is no church, or where there is no mission, there is no church. Okay? So as these quotes tell me two things. First, mission is part and parcel of who we are. It's part of our identity. I can't say this strongly enough. It's not an add-on, and it's not a church program. Mission is not that. The second thing these quotes tell me is it's about inviting others in. Biblical mission tells us that the church, the building, the people, everything, aren't just for members only. Okay? It keeps us from being too inwardly focused. It reminds us that it's about inviting others in. 
Now, mission is a holistic endeavor that I think of in a certain way. Let me try to tease that out for you a little bit. It involves more than just saving souls, though that's certainly key. But remember, we're talking about making disciples, not just converts. But we're also trying to redeem families. We're trying to redeem communities. We're trying to redeem our city and so forth. You can see those concentric circles working their way out. This comes from having a kingdom perspective and seeking to manifest the kingdom of God in dark places. Look, folks, wherever you go Monday through Saturday, you bring the kingdom of God with you. Christians bring the kingdom wherever they go as Christ's ambassadors. Where you work, where you live, your neighborhoods, you bring that. And our hope is to join in on the good things that God is already doing. It's his mission, all right? Participating in the redemption of all things, to put it in scriptural language. So let me give you some examples of maybe you haven't thought of mission in this way, but this is missional things. When we engage in offering hospitality to our neighbors or to strangers or to friends, that can be missional, okay? When we care for the least of these, the widow, the orphan, the alien, participating in acts of mercy, that can be missional. When we create a more beautiful, life-giving culture, that can be missional. We're living out the missional purposes of God's kingdom. So we're pouring ourselves out for the life of the world as Jesus served us in this very same fashion. So mission requires sacrifice. Mission requires sacrifice, pouring ourselves out as Jesus did. So mission requires a community, I think, of sacrificial givers. Now, if you think, oh, brother, are we talking about tithing now? Well, partly, but we're talking more about the whole of your life here. To grow and to live into this mission as I'm describing it, it will require more faith of us than we are comfortable with. I promise you that. God will stretch us. I believe God is stretching us right now. God is stretching us. He's stretching our faith. Listen, Jesus spoke more about stewardship and money than he did heaven and hell. Why? Well, <laughs> because where your treasure is, there what is? Your heart also. Yes, and God wants his gospel to transform every part of your heart. So my challenge to us is simply this. Be the generous stewards that God has called us to be, not only with our money, yes, but with the whole of our lives. When you see a body of believers who are giving themselves wholly to the work of their local church, stand back and see what God does. God does a lot with a little. He performs miracles, in fact. Think of the feeding of the 5,000, the fish and loaves. Now, I am a realist, guys, uh, at heart, or try to be at least, and I believe that one of the reasons we currently struggle with a corporate sense of mission, which I think we do, is because we lack a church home. We lack a more permanent facility. I think that's one of the root causes for why we struggle with a corporate sense of mission. A facility is there to support three things for a church. Worship, formation, mission. Worship, formation, mission. And those three are awfully intertwined. Now, that's a tall order, isn't it? Worship, formation, and mission. We have a very difficult, if not impossible, task doing worship, formation, and mission here at the YMCA. And I don't say that without gratitude, okay? Don't hear that. Don't hear that as ingratitude. I'm just saying I think on a good week, we do maybe one, perhaps two of those. But we're very limited. We have a low ceiling on mission and formation here at the YMCA, okay? Thus, we feel called to move forward to what's next. We find that God is calling us to a more permanent church home. At the annual meeting, if you'll recall, the theme was on the road again. 
i.e. God's calling us out. He's calling us to move onward, to move forward. Our sacred space team is hard at work exploring options for where we might essentially, and I put it this way, replant, where we might replant. And the place we set down roots will ground our mission. It will anchor us. Place offers us a people and a neighborhood to serve. Place offers us with people groups we can commend ourselves to. And it puts us in touch with souls who need Jesus. Place matters a great deal. It's where the incarnation of the gospel of Jesus happens. And I believe as we step towards a more permanent facility, we will see new areas of mission emerge. I'm convinced of it, and I can't wait to see it. Place grounds mission. Place gives us focus and a more sharply defined sense of mission. Okay? Okay, so that's shared mission. Okay, let's go to shared life, the final and third of the trinity of virtues, if you will. Um, I really think of this, although again, you can't just limit it to one verse because I think it's shot through the New and Old Testament. The picture I think of this is the, towards the end of Acts 2, and I call it the great fellowship of Acts 2, shared life. Those latter verses serve as quite a picture of what it means to partake of life together, to quote Bonhoeffer. We have the privilege and the joy of journeying together through the ups and the downs and the in-betweens, because there's an awful lot of those in life. Shared life, this fellowship that we have together, reminds us that church is more than just some pragmatic juggernaut on mission. What does it mean to be the body of Jesus? Okay, What are we inviting people into exactly? Here's how I think of it for shared life. Church is a home like no other, and I'm making home a capital H capital H. It's certainly not intended as some sort of one-stop shop for the Christian consumer. It's not that. Church is to be a place of connection, refreshment, nurture, reorientation, wrestling, and joy. It's a place where relationships, excuse me, can flourish and mature. It's supposed to be a safe place. It can be a place of true healing. And while we're certainly part missional outpost and part Coast Guard vessel looking for the lost, we're also part worshiping community, part hospital, part boot camp, part school, and part household. And I believe if you find a healthy church, you'll want to invest yourself there. You'll want to pour yourself in because you'll feel at home on a deep level that is difficult to put into words but impossible to shake. I want King of Kings to be that sort of place to offer tastes of home, capital H. I want people to come here and just have that sense of Oh, I didn't know this is what I was missing. This is what my soul is hungry for. This is what my heart has been crying out for is this. This is a place where fellow sojourners meet and find a shared life together like no other. And wouldn't it be amazing to see our church grow, not because of people church hopping, because there's a lot of church growth that is just that, but because of new converts to the faith. Wouldn't that be incredible? Wouldn't that be amazing? To me, that's true church growth. Now, this virtue of shared life, this call, that's why we put a stress on our pastorate ministry. That's why we talk about small groups and things like that. Uh, small groups are, I think, where church can really come to life. I say it's kind of where the magic happens, if you will. And again, the picture in the end of Acts 2 describes that shared life of faith so well. Because you journey through life on a deeper level and you no longer live in isolation, okay? Okay changes how you experience a Sunday morning. 
It enriches things in amazing ways. Things become richer and deeper and more meaningful when you have that small bunch that you're connected with, and then you show up for corporate worship, and we all worship together. But doing Christian community, doing it in this fashion, takes intentionality, and it takes commitment, doesn't it? We learn what it means to love and to receive love in community. It's healthy to be in community with other believers as we work out our salvation, sometimes in fear and trembling, right? Sometimes we wrestle together. Oh, that's natural. That's part of growing in faith. It's okay. So I would challenge you, if you're not involved in a pastorate, if you haven't jumped in, I think we have three now. I'd love to see that number double. We have one in Southeast Matthew, Matthews, Southeast Charlotte, Southwest Charlotte, and then one, I think, in Myers Park, South Park. Uh, I'd love to see that number double. I hope and pray to see this ministry expand over time and have pastorates all over Charlotte. Because living intentionally, living communally, changes us because there are, no, there are no lone rangers in Christianity. So it's a very countercultural way to live, speaking against isolation and living in a very different fashion. Okay, let's end here. So just as a wrap-up here, shared love, shared mission, shared life, all are products of the grace of God, which is meant to be shared with others. As God has shared with us, we then share with others around us. Shared means we get to do these things together as well, corporately, right? We're not alone. You're not alone in this. That's the big picture. That's sort of the why behind what we do. That's the bullseye that we're trying to aim for. And notice that they all revolve around disciple-making in some way, shape, or fashion. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I am a realist at heart. I really am. Um, are we meeting this vision fully of these three great calls? No, not yet. Not yet, not yet. But we will keep striving towards these three calls of shared love and shared mission and shared life. One of the questions I would ask for you is, are you living to these three calls here at King of Kings? How can you join in more fully? How can you do something besides just show up on a Sunday morning, in other words? Are you in a pastorate? something to consider? Are you on a ministry team? Do you serve the church in some way? Do you regularly give of your time and money? Do you bring friends with you to church? I mean, these are all sorts of questions. Can I ask you to prayerfully consider places where you can jump in, be part of the body, and, per and participate fully in what's going on here? So my continuous prayer is that these three calls will shape and form our church in the months and the years to come. They give us a trajectory, <laughs> To follow, And I believe they will aid us greatly in making disciples the call to which we are beholden. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the one who calls, and you give us wings to bear forward. Father, as we seek to be about these things as a church, would you empower us, Holy Spirit? Would you convict us where we need to be convicted? And would you guide us with all wisdom to where you want us to be? We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior.